Welcome to the Everyday Conversion Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Sievercrop, and I am just like you. I'm busy with work, family, kids, church, and a million other responsibilities. And honestly, some days I miss my personal scripture study and prayers. And some days we as a family miss our scripture study and prayer. But I'm trying. So if you're not perfect in living the restored gospel of Jesus Christ, but you're trying, well, get along great, and this is the place for you. Five days a week, I'll share a brief episode, often based on the Come Follow Me curriculum for that week, that I'm using to have daily conversations with my kids, whether we're on our way to school or on our way home or if it's real quick before dinner. And you're welcome to use them to do the same with your family or your personal study. Just know that the views and opinions I share are mine alone and do not represent the official doctrine and viewpoint of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Now let's jump right in with today's episode. Woo-wee. Man, I gotta tell you, welcome to episode seven of season two, and I I I can't say that I've gotten more out of my study of the Book of Mormon this time than ever before, but I can say that I'm recognizing that I'm getting more than I've ever recognized as I've studied the Book of Mormon before. This has been fantastic, and we're only on January 8th. <laughs> oh my goodness, so much good stuff. And one of the things that I want to I wanna hit on before we even jump into, uh, we're going to talk about uh, chapters 3 and 4 today. One of the things is, um, I don't remember the official term for it, uh, but it's it's the the phenomenon or the the psychological uh, trigger or trick where once you buy a red car, you notice that everyone has a red car. I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. The minute that you purchased your last vehicle, all of a sudden you notice that it seemed like everyone all of a sudden had that same vehicle. And the reason I bring that up is because I've been working on setting my goals for 2020. And I'm not completely done yet, but I can tell you that one of the main goals that I have is to be a better parent, to be a better father. Um, I'm not a terrible father, but I do find that I am uh, I'm a little hard on my kids sometimes. And it's, it's easy for me, it's much easier for me to find fault than it is to find what they're doing well and praise them for that. So that's one of my goals is to be a better father and to focus on those things. And it's been amazing to me how much of that I've seen just in these first few chapters. The the parenting advice that I've I've noticed that uh, has, has eluded me in the other times that I've read the Book of Mormon. And I've read the Book of Mormon several times since I became a parent 11 and a half years ago. So it's been really neat. It's been cool. But let's dig in and talk about a few things. I'll share a couple of those things with you. Let's jump into that first. We'll talk about the parenting things that I've noticed first, and then we'll get into this uh, account of Nephi, Laman, Lemuel, and Sam uh, going to get the plates from Laban. But before we do, uh, right at the beginning of chapter three, chapter or verse five of chapter three, I learned some really good parenting advice. And it's something that I, I've noticed before and I've tried to do before, but I'd never seen uh, anything in the scriptures that had led me to do it. So verse five, this is where Nephi comes back to visit with his father. Um, and he says, uh, his father tells him that he 
has been commanded to send them back to Jerusalem. And um, he basically says, you guys all need to go back. You need to get the records. You need to bring them back. And then in verse 5, he says, And now behold, thy brothers murmur, saying it is a hard thing which I have required of them. But behold, I have not required it of them. But it is a commandment of the Lord. And as I read that, I realized that one of the most important things we can do as parents uh, for a couple reasons. One is a very selfish reason, um, but the other is a very important reason, is point our children towards Heavenly Father as the one who lays the ground rules, the one who sets the standard for our actions, for our behavior, for our um, standards, our moral standards. Point to Heavenly Father for those things. And the selfish reason is, and I've done this a few times with my kids, where I basically get to say, um, you know, that, that's Heavenly Father's rule, not mine. You know, Heavenly Father is the one that asks us to do this. And it kind of lets you off the hook as a parent, which is kind of cool in a selfish way. It's like, hey, you know, it's it's kind of like... Um, you know, when you're in a, a leadership position at church and you're able to say, hey, well, you know, I'm just passing along the message from the bishop or I'm passing along the message from the state presidency. You know, if you don't like it, talk to them. And that's kind of what you get to do as a parent. And I say that somewhat facetiously and I, I say it with a smile on my face, but it is true. But the key and the most important thing for me is by doing that, we're really getting back to, I'm going to make a note here um, next to this um, on my, in my study journal here. Um, the key is that you're helping your children build their foundation on the rock of their Redeemer, which is Christ. And of course, that's Helaman 5.12. The foundation they're building as to why they act a certain way why they do things, why they don't do things, isn't based on mom and dad said so. It's based on Heavenly Father said so. And that is a foundation whereon if your children build, they cannot fall because it will not fail them. The Savior will not fail them. Heavenly Father will not fail them. You as a parent, me as a parent, we will fail them. We will not live up to what we are asking them to do. And so if we take away the, the role from ourselves of being the one who sets the rules, now it's harder for them to justify not living those rules if we don't. Now, certainly they'll still try and they'll say, well, if you don't do it, why should I? But at that point, you can have the conversation and say, look, I'm just like you. I'm trying my best and I'm going to fail sometimes, just like you're going to fail sometimes. But the standard bearer, the one setting these rules, did not fail. He lived them perfectly. He was the perfect example. And so by by using Heavenly Father and the Savior as the ones who set the rules, it sets them up and allows them to have a, allows them to place their trust and their faith in the right place, which is with the Savior. It's not with us. They shouldn't trust us to be their rule givers, because sooner or later we will fail them, or they will get into a situation that we can't help them with, or we will um, 
you know, we won't be able to give them counsel. So if from a young age, we point our children towards the Savior and towards Heavenly Father as the ones who set the standard, the ones who lay down the ground rules, the ones who um, define our code of conduct, how we act, we're setting them up and we're training them uh, to have a frame of reference for their behavior that will last them throughout their lives. Because sooner or later, they become adults. And in a lot of ways, they become equal with you. You know, just like I'm an adult now, in a lot of ways, I'm equal with my parents. Yes, I still take their counsel. Yes, I still uh, value their opinion. But in a lot of ways, you know, I've made a lot of decisions that my parents would disagree with. Uh, One of them being joining the church. And I'm able to do that because at some point, because I, you know, studied the Book of Mormon, I learned that it was true. I followed the Spirit. I listened to the missionaries. Um, I placed the Savior as my standard of conduct instead of my parents. And that's a good thing. That's how we grow. That's how we develop. So we should do that. So that parenting advice was was massive for me. And just a reminder that that using that phrase is important. You know, it's not me that's required it of you. It's a commandment of the Lord. You know, when your kids say, well, why can't I date till I'm 16? It's not me telling you you can't. It's Heavenly Father. And here's why he told you that. Let's read in the strength for the strength of youth. Let's read why he said that. But he's the one that set that standard, not me. So I, I thought that was awesome. Uh, and now let's let's dig into uh, these three attempts that Laman, Lemuel, Nephi, and Sam make to get the plates. And something stuck out to me that I had never thought of before. And it's verse 11 of chapter 3, where it says, They went up to Jerusalem. Uh, and they consulted with one another, consulted one with another in verse 10. And then it says in verse 11, and we cast lots, who of us should go into in unto the house of Laban. And as I read that, it was like a big flashing light was blinking in my, my face. And I thought to myself, well, that's not revelation. <laughs> Casting lots is not following inspiration. And it, it reminded me of, I've, you know, I've heard a few people say, um, you know, that, that, uh, the church isn't a, we don't volunteer in the church. We're asked to do things. It's led by revelation, not by common consent. We do do common consent, but it's still led by revelation. Um, and it's the, the same kind of thing here. You know, they, they go up, they know the Lord's commanded them to do it. You know, Nephi has already said, Hey, I know that this is a commandment of the Lord and he doesn't give us any commandments if he doesn't prepare a way for us to do it. So he knows that this is a commandment of, the, of God. And yet, when they get there, they cast lots. They pull straws. They do rock, paper, scissors. And by doing so, there's no mention of any revelation or inspiration. They don't approach the Lord with their plan. They just go do it. And it fails miserably. And then we get to verse 15 and 16. And they realize, crap, this isn't going to work. And Nephi says, hey, well, we can't go back until we get them. So we got to figure something out. So let's go down and get all of the gold and silver and precious things that our father has. He's not going to need them. You know, Jerusalem's going to be destroyed. Might as well have some use for him. And again, good plan, not a bad idea, but there's no indication that they ever went to the Lord and sought his approval for it. And then chapter four, and that one fails miserably as well. Uh, Laban chases them out, steals all their stuff, and they're almost killed. Then we have Laman and Lemuel ticked off, uh, still probably grumbling about having to go, not real happy about this whole process. 
they've been, you know, almost killed twice in layman's case, uh, once for everybody else, and they get mad. They start beating their brothers, Nephi and Sam. And they're beating them, beating them, and an angel appears to him and says, why are you beating your younger brother with a rod? And then he basically says, look, he's going to be your ruler. You know, So best I can tell, this is the first time that they've been told that Nephi is kind of in charge or is going to be in charge. And then the, the angel says, look, you're going to go up and Laban's going to be delivered into your hands and you're going to get the records. And then after they leave, it makes me laugh because immediately Laban and Lemuel start complaining again. You know, this is impossible. How, how could he say we're going to get him? There's no way we're going to be able to find him or going to be able to uh, get the records from him. We've tried. It hasn't worked. We've done the best we can. We've made all the best decisions that we can, and it did not work. And I'm like, geez, guys, you just saw an angel. But to me, that indicates that regardless of what miracles or signs or visions we see, if our heart isn't right and if our mind isn't in the right place, it doesn't matter. It ain't going to work. And that's where Laman and Lemmy were. They were stopped from beating their brother, but that was about it. They're still unwilling participants in this venture. <laughs> so then we get into chapter four, and I think verse two is important simply because this is one of the purposes of the Book of Mormon, to be to remind us of the great things which God has done for our fathers, for those before us. And he reminds them of Moses, and he reminds them of the things that Moses did, you know, being able to flee from Pharaoh, being able to go through on dry ground through the Red Sea. And then we get to this final attempt. And verse 6 says, I was led by the Spirit, not knowing beforehand the things which I should do. So this is the first time in these attempts that we hear about the Spirit, that the Spirit is guiding them. And obviously, that is what makes all the difference. Nephi was led by the Spirit. He was constrained into action by the Spirit. He was spoken to by the Spirit. And he was successful in his attempt to get the plates. And the difference was he was led by the Spirit. The Spirit was involved. He he sought the Spirit's counsel. He, he, he sought, you know, it doesn't explicitly say it, but no doubt when he came up with this plan, he sought heaven's help. He sought guidance. He sought confirmation. Basically, he says, I didn't know exactly what I was going to do, but I knew the Spirit was leading me. And because of that, I believe he was successful. Um, and then the other thing I realized is, uh, I can't remember, I think it's a, a Joseph Smith quote, um, but I know I've heard someone say something to the extent of whatever the Lord commands is right. You know, if the Lord commands us to do something, then it's right. Even if um, social, cultural uh, norms say it's not, it's right. Even if, um, quite honestly, even if uh, the church says it's wrong and the Lord tells you it's right, then it's right. And I say that because, uh, you know, thou shalt not kill. And then Nephi kills Laban. Now, certainly we could get into uh, Jewish law and he had tried to kill them. He had robbed them and therefore he was uh, guilty uh, under the law and, and could be put to death. But I, I think that's getting into the weeds. I think it's interesting and those are interesting insights. I think it's getting into the weeds. Really what it comes down to is if the spirit tells you to do something, it's right. 
And I thought about this in connection with um, what I read a few days ago, which was uh, another good, really parenting advice. And I don't know if I shared this in the previous episode, but in Second Nephi 2, in verse 14, it says, It came to pass that my father did speak unto them in the valley of Lemuel. So this is after Laman and Lemuel are complaining. And it says, He spoke with power, being filled with the Spirit, until their frames did shake before him. And he did confound them, and he that they durst not utter against him. Wherefore, they did as he commanded them. So and this at, at that point, you know, Le- Lehi calls his sons out on the carpet. And he says, you guys need to knock your crap off. I mean, that's the... The, the unofficial way that he would have said it. I don't know that he used those exact words. He probably didn't uh, because they think he was more dignified than me. But he basically said, knock your murmuring off. Stop it. And it immediately made me think of Doctrine and Covenants 121, 43, where it says, reproving be times with sharpness when moved upon by the Holy Ghost. So we can reprove people. We can reprimand them we can correct them but only when the holy ghost constrains us to do so only when we're moved upon by the holy ghost and i thought of that in parenting um parenting aspects too because i'm like well how do i correct my kids when they do things wrong then well you do it when you have the spirit when the spirit prompts you or constrains you to do it just like nephi killed laban when he was constrained by the spirit to do it just like Lehi corrected his children when he was filled with the Spirit as he did it. And I realized that I need to do a lot better job at paying attention to whether the Spirit is sanctioning my words and my actions. When I'm a, as a parent, as a husband, as a leader, as a coach, whatever I'm doing, I need to pay attention to the Spirit. Because the minute I feel the Spirit leave, that's basically the Spirit's way of saying, okay, that's enough. You do not need to act this way. And then that led me to think that if I need to pay more attention to when the Spirit's sanctioning what I do, it also means that I need to be more aware of when I have the Spirit. I need to not get used to it. I need to, the the thought I had as I was studying this this morning was I need to make sure that I am asking Heavenly Father to help me be aware when I'm feeling the Spirit every single day. Because if the Spirit is my barometer in how I act, I need to be paying attention to that barometer. And I think it's easy for us as members to get used to feeling the spirit. But I I feel for me personally, I need to do a better job at being consciously aware of when I have the spirit so that I know when I'm constrained by the spirit to correct my children. So I know when I'm constrained by the spirit to... um, you know, bring up a tough, uh, a tough conversation with my wife if if we're we're struggling with something, and when not to, um, and how to say it. So I know, you know, as a a church leader, when to um, when to bring something up and when not not to bring it up. You know, we have to have the spirit, and we have to know when we have the spirit. Otherwise, we can't know when the spirit's constraining us to do something. Um, we we can't, you know, some I, I think. Yes, we need to be aware when the Spirit leaves, and that's our, our indication to stop. But more importantly, I think we need to be aware before it leaves as to what it's telling us. Because if we know beforehand and we're, we're proactively, you know, that's the next level is proactively following the Spirit, not reactively. If we reactively follow the Spirit, it's like, oh, I lost the Spirit. I need to stop, which is good. That's better than nothing. Don't get me wrong. 
But the more important thing would be to to be able to follow the Spirit in the first place so that we don't do something the Spirit would be offended by. It'd be better for me to follow the Spirit and be paying attention to the Spirit as I'm counseling and guiding and correcting and um, helping my children so that I say the right thing, so that I do the right thing, so I have the right spirit as I do it, rather than having this stop because I got far enough that I wasn't following the spirit. And I turned to anger or I turned to, um, you know, um, unrighteous dominion. So that was something that was really, really interesting to me. And then getting back to, um, and I probably should have talked about this before I talked about that and I kind of got off on a rabbit trail there, but thinking back to um, the three attempts that Nephi, Sam, Laman, and Lemuel made on the plates, I realized that that they were right in using their minds and their best deductive reasoning to figure out the best way to get the plates. Because in Doctrine and Covenants 9, uh, you know, that is what uh, that is what uh, Oliver Cowdery gets in trouble for. He's told that the problem is he didn't use his thoughts. He didn't use his deductive reasoning. In verse 7 of Doctrine and Covenants 9, it says, Behold, you have not understood. You have supposed that I would give it unto you when you took no thought, save it was to ask me. But behold, I say unto you that you must study it out in your mind. Then you must ask if it be right. And if it be right, I will cause that your bosom should burn within you. Wherefore, you shall feel that it is right. So, Oliver Cowdery is told, "Look, you gotta figure. You gotta do some figuring yourself. You gotta, you gotta figure it out on your own a little bit." And that's what Laman and Lemuel and Nephi and Sam didn't do the first two, or that's what they did the first two times. But the part they missed was that second part, when the Lord tells Oliver Cowdery, "Then you must ask me if it be right." There's a there's a middle ground. On one extreme, you have Oliver Cowdery who went and said, "Hey, what do I do?" I can't figure it out. I don't know what to do. Reminds me of my kids sometimes when I ask them to do something. And then on the other hand, you have Layman, Lemuel, Nephi, and Sam who figured it out and thought about it and discussed it and cast lots and did all these things and came up with really good plans, but never did that second part. They never thought it, they never went to the Lord and asked if it was right. And then you have in the middle of that, you have the brother of Jared in Ether chapter 3, who, when he went to the Lord, and or the Lord basically said, well, how are you going to light these things? And he's like, uh, good question. Then it says in, in chapter 3 that he went to the mountain, he uh, moltened out of rock 16 small stones, and he went to the Lord and he basically said, I have these stones, I have this idea, if you'll just touch them and make them glow, we will have light. And the Lord says, okay. And he does it because the brother of Jared did both parts. He thought it out in his mind. He studied it. He used his deductive reasoning. He used the wisdom and the knowledge that the Lord had given him. And then he immediately went to the Lord and asked him and presented his plan and said, what do you think? And then he got the result. And it doesn't explicitly say that Nephi went to the Lord. But no doubt, if he was led by the Spirit, he had spent time in prayer, and he had sought the Lord's advice and counsel. And the Lord, in that instance, perhaps, the advice and counsel was, you're on the right track. You don't need to know everything right now, but yes, continue with your plan. And he did. 
And when he showed up, everything fell into place, almost as if magically. Laban happens to be drunk. He happens to be drunk on the street. He happens to have his sword with him. He happens uh, to be, <laughs> this is kind of humorous and maybe I shouldn't go this far, but he happens to have similar sized clothing that Nephi can put on. He is blessed because, Nephi is blessed because he used his reasoning. He came up with the best plan he could. He presented it to the Lord and he was led by the Spirit. That is why the third attempt worked, because he was led by the Spirit. He sought the Spirit. He followed the Spirit. He paid attention to what the Spirit told him to do. He was constrained by the Spirit. He was spoke to by the Spirit because he had conditioned himself to follow the Spirit and to seek its guidance. And that is what we need to do in our lives. That is the difference in the three attempts. That is what will make the difference as a parent, as a husband, as a church leader, as a uh, employee, as an employer, you know, whatever the roles we have in our lives are, that is what will make the difference if we are consciously aware of the Spirit and what the Spirit constrains us to do and proactively follow the Spirit so that we don't lose it. But if we do lose it, take that as the indication that the Spirit's saying, okay, that's enough. Like, this is where we stop. And if you'll do that, the Spirit will come back. <laughs> and that, to me, is what I learned from, from this example or this experience with Nephi and Sam and Laman and Lemuel getting the plates. Things I hadn't learned before was the importance of being constrained by the Spirit, by actively following the Spirit instead of reactively following the Spirit. So you can get the links to everything we talked about in today's episode at everydayconversion.com forward slash BOM7. And we will see you in the next episode. All right, that's it for today. Now, I know, I know you want to hang out with me longer, but we both have a ton of things to do today, including living the gospel and trying to be like Jesus. Cue primary children singing. I'm trying to be like Jesus. But hey, if you want to get the links to everything we talked about today, you can find it on the episodes page of everydayconversion.com. You can also do cool stuff like subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast listening platform, sign up for email notifications of new episodes, and connect with us on social media there. It's kind of like a virtual church library without the militant librarians or a piece of paper to sign out your three tiny pieces of chalk for your lesson. Also, just remember, I do my best to make sure my opinions are in line with official church doctrine, but they are just that. They're my opinions. For official doctrine and viewpoints, I recommend you go to churchofjesuschrist.org or comeuntochrist.org.